on this one number, the weight on their identity, who they are, the person they wanna become because they're gonna lose this weight or the person they will become because they're gonna be lighter or you know, apparently look better because of this one number. And over the next five minutes, it'll probably turn into about 20 minutes, <laughs> I wanna convince you that your weight does not matter one bit. It's a useless measurement and it doesn't control any outcome. It doesn't make you a better person, doesn't make you a worse person. Uh, it just doesn't matter at all. Welcome back to the In-Situ Collective. We have helped hundreds of people reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a chat about the journey along the way, lessons learned, teachable moments, and any topics we think that will help you reach your health and fitness goals as well. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack. I'm the PT. Joining me is my partner, Mac. She is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist. I have a question for everybody listening. How much do you weigh? Stop. Before you answer that, I just want you to take a second and think about the emotions that that question just brought up. How much do you weigh? A lot of the time there is a big mix of emotions mixed in there. It might make you mad because somebody's asked you. It might make you happy. It might make you upset. All these emotions tied into one little thing a weight that doesn't actually matter. And people put too much emphasis or, um, yeah, I'll say emphasis on this one number, the weight on their identity, who they are, the person they wanna become because they're gonna lose this weight or the person they will become because they're gonna be lighter or you know, apparently look better because of this one number. And over the next five minutes, it'll probably turn into about 20 minutes. <laughs> I want to convince you that your weight does not matter one bit. It's a useless measurement and it doesn't control any outcome. It doesn't make you a better person, doesn't make you a worse person. Uh, it just doesn't matter at all. So if you've been following along on YouTube, we actually brought this topic up on YouTube the latest YouTube video, which dropped last Tuesday or this Tuesday just been. And I had this conversation with a couple of clients and I wanted to bring this up because it's a reoccurring conversation. I don't know what the answer is because it's so embedded in our brains of less weight is equals healthy or less weight equals a better person. Mm. Um, when I started health and fitness, I need to lose weight to achieve a goal. Um, and... I just wanted back to sort of talk about her story first. It just gives you a little bit more of an idea because my story is all over the place with weight loss and gain and all that sort of stuff. And I think, not saying that it isn't important to men, weight, but I definitely think that women put a far greater emphasis on the number on the scales. 100%. So the other day I was updating my my health app like for my in my iPhone and it asked me what to update my weight essentially and the weight that I had entered which would have been 4 years ago I pretty sure um, was 61 kilos. Right? Which is pretty average. 4 years ago. 4 years ago. Yep. 61 kilos. That's when I started exercising, pretty much, four years ago. Yeah. 
maybe even five years ago, but still, yeah, about then. And yeah, my weight was 61 kilos and I'm like 168 centimeters to put that in perspective for people that measure their weight a lot would know how tall they are. Um, and then I went to update it and I actually laughed because now I weigh anywhere between 70 and 72 kilos, depending on the time of the month. Um, and I feel like I look far better than I did before, my personal opinion. And I have more energy. I can lift heavier weights. I am stronger. My joints are better. I, I could list the, the improvements that I've seen in the last four years endlessly. But your weight's gone up. But my weight has gone up roughly 10, 9 to 10 kilos, mm. just to emphasize. And that is because, like you can maybe elaborate a bit more, but because I have more muscle on my body. So back then also, I will say when I did weigh 61 kilos, I used to think I was overweight. That's why I started exercising. <laughs> and I weighed 61 kilos. I was very small. Um, I probably had a bit of a belly, which is probably was probably my biggest insecurity. Um, and so I came to Jack's gym and started doing group classes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and for those that don't know what Mac looks like, I'd strongly suggest jumping on her Instagram. So what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Mac underscore in situ. And look at Mac, look at her body. It's quite a good looking body. But imagine Mac 10 kilos lighter than what she is now. Like there would be nothing left. Yeah. And it's not, and, and you, you brought up a good comment there. We always assume with weight loss comes size reduction. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and it makes sense in your head. And that's why I think weight loss is connected to so much of people, the way people want to look. If I lose weight, I'll look this way. And unfortunately for your body, it's not necessarily that connection. So because you weigh less doesn't mean you're gonna get smaller. Yeah. So, it, and this is, a, like I said in the intro, weight is a very bad measurement for your body especially. So as Max said, over the last four years, she started training. So she's built bigger muscles. Not, and again, this is the thing, like you work your muscles and a lot of women have this issue. They don't wanna lift weights because they don't wanna bulk up. Now you can lift weights and get a stronger, denser muscle that isn't necessarily bigger. Mm -hmm. The same size muscle, it's just denser and has more muscle fibers in it. It doesn't actually mean it's bigger. Yeah. It's just heavier. It's exactly the same size, it's just heavier. So there's obviously the muscle. Everybody hears that comment, uh, the comment said, I think every single PT says this to every single client at some point in their career. Um, muscle weighs more than fat. And it, 100% it does. If you get, you know, a bowl of muscle Ew. and a bowl of fat, the bowl of, and it's, the muscle is one kilo. If you try to get one kilo of fat in a bowl, it's gonna be a lot bigger than that bowl of, I don't know, muscle. I guess a good, a good way to put it in your head is if you've got one brick and you try to make that same weight of that one brick in feathers, you're gonna have a whole big bag of feathers to make it the same weight of that brick. So it's, again, this is why it's very bad to measure it. Not only does the muscle grow or get denser and get heavier, the more you train, the more it puts tension on your skeleton, so your bones, 
the more tension you put on those, the mm. stronger they're going to get as well. So although it's not much, stronger bones is what every single person should aim for because the stronger your bones are, it means you're going to be healthier. A whole other list, I won't go down that tangent, but strong bones is a good thing. When you fall, you're not going to break anything. Yeah. And stronger bones equals heavier as well. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration. Mm. Now let's go to your ligaments. Again, your ligaments and tendons are going to get stronger, denser. Again, not a, not a lot of weight in there, but there is going to be extra weight there. And fluid retention. Mm. The stronger your muscles get, the more denser they get, the more fluid they need, the more blood that's going to be pumping around your body. So it's all these things combined, which makes a healthy person that increases your weight so yeah i just it's crazy i think it's definitely crazy yes i think that the whole weight thing probably came from the trend of like being skinny used to be for women being skinny used to be so desirable you know what i mean Mm. so if you go back before that it was like being i'm gonna say more solid maybe i don't know if there's a better term to use but was more desirable because it meant that the woman was fertile and could birth a child, right? Mm. And then somehow, I think it happened maybe around the, what, 60s? Yeah. Probably. It, it's changed to the smaller, the more attractive a woman is. But now I definitely think that slowly it's it's becoming like, I'm using quotation marks, thick is more attractive now, right? Which yeah. is more emphasis on the muscle, which is great in some cases. Yeah, and... Like you said, it's just easier to market weight loss because if as soon as I say oh, this weight loss program, people are going to automatically think smaller Yeah. because that association with weight loss equals like downsizing yeah. um, a smaller frame, smaller person. And yeah, you're right. It's definitely coming back a bit. And, and this is the thing, it should come back a bit. Women should be lifting weights. And I said this in the YouTube channel, do everything you need to to live a healthy life and just let your body do what it does. Like, don't associate looks, size, weight with the overall outcome of being a healthy, well-functioning person. Like, disregard those. Just do what you need to do and your body's just going to... And this is the thing. We all look different. Mm-hmm. And there's no point where you say, this is the perfect health. You've got to have this percent body fat and all that sort of stuff it's going to be different for everybody so everybody is going to look different yeah so just do the things you need to uh, do resistance training eat the right food and your body is just going to adapt to that be healthy and it's just going to look the way it looks that doesn't mean you're a lesser person or a better person or doesn't make you a person on the way you look or weigh yeah or the size of you you just it's, it's I, just how it is. Yeah. I think on that topic of like uh, being obsessed with appearances, we recent both of us recently got TikTok because apparently if you want to get any kind of following on socials, you have to have TikTok. Mm. And immediately I noticed how, I don't know if it's just like my feed because everyone's feed is so different, but I noticed how small everyone is on there straight away and then because you people spend hours on there a day and that's all you see so then of course when you look in the mirror you're going to feel bigger even if you aren't like even like you just said I'm a small person and I see these small people on TikTok and I'm like 
Oh, damn. They're yeah. so skinny compared to me. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something you have to be aware of, I guess, as well. Like if you're trying to not focus on your body weight, also think about the people you're following on social media because that's going to mess with you just as much as the number on the scales is going to mess with you. 100%. And I did want to bring that up before we go into some things that I think people should be doing to live mm-hmm. that healthy life and not worry about the scales. You go back probably not even 100 years and if you went to the circus, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, this is just how it was. You go back 100 years to the circus and there was a fat person on display as one of the freaks mm. in the circus. Uh, and that fat person back then was crazy. Everybody would look at that person like, oh, I can't believe how big that person is. But that's almost n- normal size these days. Yeah. Yes, humans have naturally got bigger, and then obviously with food, obesity, all that sort of pan, uh, pandemics, all that sort of stuff, that's just a normal person now. But it's the same, it's almost reversed with social media. So there's not that many skinny, lean, fit people out there. Like you could almost take that you know, influencer on TikTok and put them in the circus because they are- Unique. Unique. Yeah. Like, and if we didn't have social media, that's where those people would be. They would be in the circus and you'd go to the circus and oh my God, I can't believe people would look like that. Yeah. But it's only because we have social media that you get to see that 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think number tip number one of people trying to get on the right track and worrying about health, not size and weight, is to take on board what you're actually putting into your brain. Oh, yes, as in like the things that you're, like social media, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what are you seeing on social media? We're all on social media. Like it's, it's pointless saying to somebody, just get off social media, don't even go on there. They're yeah. going to go on it, but control what you see on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, what other things do you think people do, as in taking it in and looking at things that they shouldn't? Oh, you put me on the spot. The tip that I was going to say that isn't really related to the social media thing is just to get rid of scales. So between the between me weighing 61 kilos and me weighing 72 kilos, we moved states, houses, hundreds of, not hundreds, tens of times, and we didn't take scales with us. So for four, three years probably, I literally would step on the scales occasionally if we were at someone's house and I saw they had scales in the bathroom. But... I gained 10 kilos without even noticing, you know, because I didn't have scales. So I would say literally take them out of your house because it is so, it's so tempting to just step on them and be like, oh, where am I at? Have I lost weight? I'm like, I've, I've been eating well. I've been being positive. I've been exercising, all this stuff. I should have lost weight. And then you step on the scales and you're like, what am I doing this for? Because I haven't lost weight or I've gained weight. So yeah, I just can't emphasize enough. Just get rid of them. Yeah, I'd 100% agree. Until you actually have a healthy relationship with yourself, as in you love yourself no matter what you look like. Or how much you weigh. Or how much you weigh, get rid of the scales. Because I I like stepping on the scales now just to see where I'm at, Um, but it doesn't affect what I do. Yeah. It doesn't affect my mood. It doesn't affect the way I eat, the way I train, because a, a lot of people will do what you, exactly what you just said, do all the right things, eating healthy, training re- consistent, gain a little bit and go, oh shit, I've, I've gained weight. I'm not gonna eat for the next three days, I'm gonna do all the cardio. Yeah. And it's those <laughs> reactions that you gotta get rid of. So get rid of the scales. And look, it might take you 
a couple of years mm -hmm. to get to that point where you can look at yourself in the mirror, appreciate your body no matter what it is, but it's going to take that time to get rid of the scales. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's just give a couple of tips on what people can do to live a healthy life. I know that's a very broad question, mm -hmm. but three come to my mind. Okay, go. And I'm, I'm going to say these because I want people to just focus on doing the things that you need to to be healthy without the outcome. Don't, don't focus on, don't go, I'm going to do these to reach this goal. I'm, I'm just going to do these because I'm going to be a healthy person. Yeah. And that's something you do every single day. First one, obviously, resistance training. <laughs> Everybody should do some sort of resistance training. Um, it's not like it's for some people and it's not for other people. A baseline of resistance training should be for everybody. If you get a leak in your sink in the kitchen and it starts leaking and you get called plumber in to fix it, he fixes it, walks away and starts leaking, you just don't go, oh, plumbing's not for me, I'll let it leak. You get another plumber in. So that is the same with health and fitness and resistance training. If you don't vibe with the trainer, if you don't vibe with the type of training that you're doing, find another thing that you're going to vibe with that you're going to be happy to do consistently for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, cool. That's my tip one on one. Number one, are we taking it in turns? Yeah, you go. What do you got? Okay, my second tip, I feel like you already brought it up, but it would be to just become aware of the food you are consuming. It doesn't necessarily mean count your calories or go on some crazy diet or anything like that. Simply just writing down a week's worth, even three days worth of food so that you can see right in front of your eyes what you're actually eating. I had We had a new client do this recently and... She's like, yeah, I'll get nutrition coaching. I, like, I think my diet's pretty good, but it can always be better, which is a great attitude to start with. But she kept a food diary for a couple of days and she was like, oh my goodness, I don't eat. I don't eat anything. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat protein. And then I wonder why I can eat half a block of chocolate at night. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be complex. Just simply like monitor the food that you're eating and in just becoming aware, you'll make better choices and you'll be healthier and feel better yeah. anyway. And I was going to bring up the other client we got at the start of last month, exactly the same thing, but she did it, did it a different way. So she was taking photos of everything and sending mm. it to us uh, instead of the food diary. And even she just in, I think she did it for three days. In those three days, she just come, she had that much more awareness of what she was putting in her body I didn't really have to do anything. Yeah. She, she could see that her protein needed to go up. She could see that these other things would sneak in. There's a couple little tips and stuff I gave her, but it was, it was very good. Like you could see over three days, just day one to day three was a big difference. Yeah. Because she was actually paying attention to it. And I will just say you don't listen to anyone as much as you listen to yourself. So sometimes I can tell people like the same thing or 500 different tips to improve their diet but until they realize themselves what they need to do or what they're doing wrong they they won't change because yeah you only listen to yourself at the end of the day yeah so pay attention to what you do okay what's what's the third one obviously sleep i knew it <laughs> sleep is it sleep is the most underrated thing you can do to improve your health and fitness above everything else it's uh, Again, we talk about this so much. Getting better sleep is going to help you lose weight, body fat, build muscle. Um, 
give your body the ability to basically rejuvenate overnight so you can have more energy for the next day. If you don't get all that sleep, you're not gonna have energy the next day, so you're not gonna train, you're not gonna eat. You're not gonna do the things, be motivated to do things you need to, to be a healthy person. So just by getting better sleep, you can stick to your habits better. Yes, I did a post on socials on Wednesday, I believe, about like eight hacks to improve your diet. And one of the hacks in there was sleep. And I, I did a little extra post on my stories elaborating on why I think it's such a beneficial way to improve your diet. And it got so much love. Like everyone was like, oh, wow, I didn't think about it like this. But essentially, if you don't get enough sleep, not only does it affect your ability to gain weight, lose weight, have energy, whatever it is, it also affects your ability to make decisions. So if you're faced with a decision between going home, having a beer and watching Netflix or going to the gym after work, you're going to choose Netflix if you are sleep deprived. If you have the choice of getting takeaway or cooking something, you're going to get takeaway if you're sleep deprived. Like I could list these for days, but if you don't have enough sleep, then you're never going to be able to choose the right choice for you and whatever it is you're trying to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sleep. Sleep, people. Uh, so if you've listened to all that, and I'm going to ask you one more time, how much do you weigh? If that brought up more emotion, I just want you to sit with that emotion for a minute and ask yourself, why are you getting so emotional when that question comes up? Okay. Go back and listen to this segment again. We've talked, we brushed over a lot of good things. We could go dive deeper into a lot of those. Obviously, if you want to dive deeper personally, you can reach out to us at any point and we can chat more in a personal note because this is very personal. Everybody reacts differently. But just take a moment and ask yourself, why am I feeling so emotional about that question? Am I attaching this 10 kilo weight loss to the person I will be if I lose that 10 kilos? Am I going to achieve more when I am 10 kilos less? All these sort of things. Ask yourself these questions and it is a good way to start stepping out of that shadow of... Weight determines who you are. Exactly. Yeah. I just want to take a quick break to thank you. Yes, you listening. Without people like you listening along, interacting with the podcast and sending us messages about how much you enjoy the podcast and topics you want to hear about, we really wouldn't do this. We do this podcast to help you reach your health and fitness goals. So if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a five-star review and a positive comment wherever you're listening to this podcast because it really does help us reach more people so we can help them reach their health and fitness goals as well. If you have already, I thank you. If you haven't, I thank you in advance. And let's get back to the episode. What is the first thing you would do to begin to improve your brain health? <laughs> when I think of brain, I think of smart and reading and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you would start to read more to get better brain health. Yeah. Yeah. Reading definitely is positive for brain health, but I really wanted to talk about resistance training for brain health because we talk about resistance training on here so much. Probably every single episode we talk about resistance training. And recently in uni, I've been starting to get into like exercise benefits and brain health and in particular like longevity. So obviously as we age, our bodies decline and so do our brains. Um, 
they start to shrink when you get older, just like your muscles and everything do shrink. So you have to put things in place to prevent that from happening. So I was reading a paper this week for uni. I nearly want to say school. <laughs> um, Same thing. Yeah, pretty much. And it was about dementia. And I don't, have never really experienced anybody with dementia, but it scares the shit out of me because it is extremely common, mm. like beyond common. Um, so one of the statistics I had was dementia affects approximately 47 million people globally. And they estimate that it's going to affect 130 million people by 2050. 130 million? 130 million. Shit. So I know obesity is probably the most forefront disease that we have at the minute, but I think it's highly likely that dementia will overtake that. Mm. Or they'll be one in the same. If you're obese, then it's likely you get dementia. Yeah, go hand in hand. Yeah. So... It's not fully understood what causes it, but they do know that diet, lifestyle choices, genetics all play a massive role in it. So I don't know, personally, when I read this kind of stuff, I immediately think, oh, well, I need to start acting now. And you do. I'm only 25, but like the onset of dementia starts in your 30s. It can start as early as in your 30s, especially if you make poor lifestyle choices right um and what i discovered this week is how much resistance training can offset the your brain's aging essentially how it can prevent you from getting dementia or alzheimer's or any brain degenerative degenerative diseases um and it blew my mind so i'm just going to paint a little picture for people that don't know much about neuroanatomy, so bear with me. If anyone's listening and I say something wrong, please correct me because I'm still learning. But essentially, I'm sure you would have heard in your brain there are millions of neurons, right? And they talk to each other. They are what allow you to learn, think, do actions, move your body. And what they look like is your hand, right? I'm holding my hand out. And all of your fingers are these little communicators that will connect with, say, your other hand. So like your fingertips touch and that sends a chemical message for you to breathe, move your arm, whatever it is, the action that you're doing. And in the middle of your hand, in your palm, is a neuron. Wait, a cell body, <laughs> right? So there's cells everywhere in our body, but our brain has cells in the neurons. And then say your forearm is the axon so it's like a little pathway so from your hand the cell body and then the axon leads to another cell body where they connect another message to another neuron right and what wraps around the cell body is this fatty stuff called myelin and the thicker that is like the faster and better the messages your brain can send between neurons mm. right does this make sense so far so it's like the glue that the more, what, what was it? The fatty wrap around. Yeah. So the more of that, the better your brain communicates. Yes, right? So the faster it can send connections and communicate between other neurons. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you age is this thins and starts to get weak and shrinks the neurons. So then your fingertips say, as the ends of the neurons slowly start to come apart from like my right hand slowly starts to come apart from my left hand. So it's much harder for them to communicate and connect and send actions, electricity, 
to one another because they're shrinking. Now this happens as you age naturally, but when you exercise, it prevents it from happening because it allows the, the fatty wrap that is say around your forearm to stay fatty and essentially your neurons stay longer and they stay connected to each other and you can keep your memories for longer, you can think better, everything that is cognitive function essentially. So any questions so far? Uh, no, keep going. Okay, so when you exercise, you get a rapid release of muscle-based proteins that are released from your muscles. So let's say you're doing a bicep curl and you contract your bicep, that contraction releases muscle proteins and they go into your bloodstream, up to your brain, and then they change or I guess assist in keeping your brain healthy and all of the functions working correctly and the neurons talking to each other. So literally while you are resistance training, you are improving your brain health in real time and for future benefits. So essentially, I guess what I'm trying to say is just exercise to prevent your brain from deteriorating. So if I can do bicep curls and read at the same time, I am gonna have the healthiest brain alive. I know. <laughs> Um, One thing at a time. So, but does this make like? Is it clear to you what I'm trying to yeah, get across? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, for anybody that didn't understand that, go back and listen to it again. I think there's this is like Max said. This is going to be a huge issue. I think as our generation gets older, it is going to be you're going to know somebody like within your family or very close circle of friends that is, this is going to affect, if not yourself. Yeah, well, 130 million people is yeah. so many people. And I would say one of the reasons, like I'm no neuroscientist, but one of the reasons it's becoming so bad now is because we don't do resistance training. Like we have to do it intentionally now because our lives are so sedentary. Whereas back 100 years, we did a lot of heavy lifting and stuff that was resistance training without like actually doing structured resistance training. I did want to go into resistance training because when people hear that, they can think of a very wide range of things. Mm -hmm. And it might, and people's thought of resistance training might go wild and it, it stops them from actually getting into resistance training. Now, and it is wide and ranging because it is very personalized. And this is where I'd suggest going and seeing a PT or some sort of coach, getting a bit of guidance, especially if you're very new to it or just getting into it and doing this properly. Because what Mac was saying about stimulating the muscles to send that those proteins up to your brain to keep create, you just need to stimulate your muscles. That does not mean going out and doing a super intense, high intensity interval training, F45, CrossFit, that sort of stuff. That That is resistance training in itself, but let's just chill out for a second and let's just stimulate the muscles. It could just be isolation exercises like a bicep curl, tricep extension, a shoulder press, a back squat, a deadlift. All these exercises just done on their own, just so you can start moving right and stimulating the muscles properly. To send that those proteins to your brain. And that's all you need. And that and that's the thing. People think, oh, I need to do all this sort of stuff to do it. No, you don't. You, you can just go in and do a basic couple of movements 
couple of compound movements, which are basically exercises that target a few muscle groups at the same time, you can just go in and do those, stimulate the muscles, get that signal and leave. Yeah. You don't have to do all these complicated things, all these complicated workouts to get better brain health. I will say, I know someone's going to ask about cardio and if it has the same benefit. And the study that I was reading on Wednesday did cover that. So for the longest time, studies only focused on cardio for any kind of health, really, because they could tell mice to run on a wheel. They could get a mouse to run on a wheel where it's really hard to get a mouse to do a bicep curl. You know what I mean? Um, And cardio has a small, like cardio is good for you, but it does not have the same brain health benefits as resistance training. So there are five, I forget what they're called, chemicals of some sort, I forget the actual name, right? That resistance training triggers, which help your brain stay healthy and grow and everything. And cardio only uses one of the chemicals or only triggers one of the five chemicals that resistance training triggers. And also another study that I read was they got a group of adults to do resistance training twice a week. So just weightlifting twice a week for 52 weeks. And they got another group of adults to do like balance work and Pilates style exercises twice a week for 52 weeks. And the resistance training group had far better results of cognitive performance. So that's like memory and learning tests and everything like that than the other group that did like balancing and Pilates based exercises. Only two sessions a week. That's not much. No. And that's something everybody can fit in. Everybody. And uh, where was I going to go with this? Back to the cardio. So you pretty much said it. uh, Resistance training hits five different things. Resistance training twice a week can help you reduce cholesterol, help you your hormones be, health, be healthy, increase your brain health like we've just been talking about, help help you control insulin levels. Did I say that already? No. All this sort of stuff, just baseline of resistance training. Cardio does not do that. Now, we're not saying you should not do cardio. Cardio is very good for you as well. Steady state cardio, a lot of research done on that for a lot of good health benefits but resistance training should be your base and you add these other stuff in. Same with Pilates and all that sort of stuff. We're not saying that it's bad or you shouldn't do it or it hasn't got its benefits. 100% it does, but resistance training should still be your base and you branch out from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so make uh, those listening, make sure you subscribe because next week we're going to talk about the difference between burning calories and boosting your metabolism mm-hmm. just along the cardio line. But I won't get into that just yet. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe so you get that episode next week. Listen to questions. Yeah, we better get into it. Okay, do you want to go first? You go first. All right, so apologies to the person that asked these questions. I missed them last week before we recorded the show. Mm -hmm. So this is going back three episodes, maybe four episodes, when I was talking about how I was time-restricting my eating. Mm -hmm. Not fasting, just (laughs) time-restricting. And she just had a couple of questions about how I do things. Like, It's pretty cool to see these people listening and paying attention that much that they call me out on things that I may contradict. (laughs) Um, So again, thank you for actually listening that intently and thank you for all the questions that come in. Again, can't thank everybody listening enough and for interacting with the podcast. 
it actually makes it feel like people are watching and listening. We have a little family. Um, so, all right, back to the questions. So basically, just to paint the picture again, I wasn't eating until 12 o'clock just to reduce my calorie intake. Um, and then like I'd still have three meals and a snack or two and all that sort of stuff. So the first one is, what do you do? Um, so basically, when do you work out? I don't work out fa fasted or I don't work out with an empty tummy because I don't have the energy. So I changed my workouts from the morning to the afternoon when I was actually eating. And then this person said, what do you do for pre-workout? Because previously we've said we use just our pre-workout is caffeine. Mm -hmm. But then we've also said we don't have caffeine past 12. So this person's like, well, what do you do for your pre-workout? <laughs> Only if we exercise in the morning do we have that as pre-workout. Yeah, so I, I, I think pre-workout is a bit of a... Scam. <laughs> not a scam, but you shouldn't need something to stimulate your body to work out. Yeah. Like you should have that energy there. You should have that fire, that urge to push hard in the session or work, go and work out. If you don't, you're either not getting enough sleep or you're not fueling your body properly. Mm -hmm. So that there. But then I will, to, before a workout, I have just been trying this. I have been having LMNT, which is a salty potassium and magnesium powder. It's when we're L, letter L M. N T. You just said it like element T, and I was like, "Well, oh, people are gonna get so confused." <laughs> <laughs> so L M N T. I'll put a link below. I think there's like some freebies you can get through that link. So if you want to try these, I'd strongly recommend it. Um, I have that and creatine before my workout. I'm just trialing that. Again, I'm not relying on that to get me through the workout, but there is a lot of research to show that having good hydration before a workout is like the best thing you can do to maximize results from that workout mm. that nothing else comparisons in hydrating well before a workout so the salt the salty drink helps a lot with that um so yeah that's all i have and then another question come up about that is uh about the eating window how long do i f um, fast for again it's not fasting it's just restricting my time <laughs> that i eat um, I wasn't sure if they were talking about during the day or the time period of days or weeks. So again, like I won't eat until about 12. That varies depending on if I'm working or training or doing something and I need to get food in before that. I'm not too fussed on it, but I literally only do it for about two or three weeks. It's just to sort of, like I was saying, I only do it because I'm, I was on such a high calorie diet trying to build muscle and just to bring my calories back a little bit and get my body used to eating less, I just restrict the window. After two or three weeks, my body's used to it and now I'm not eating as much and I'm still having breakfast. Does yeah. that make sense? I think, obviously, if you listen to our podcast, you know that I cannot do it for multiple reasons. That is time-restricted eating. But I think if you can do it or something similar, then it is a good way to just... Uh, become familiar with your hunger and fullness cues again because a lot of people don't actually let themselves feel hungry um so yeah i don't know just yeah 100 and just feeling hungry and see how that affects your body your mood your emotions and that sort of stuff it's okay to be hungry yeah everybody. and a lot of people are afraid to be hungry because they haven't actually been hungry. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good opportunity to do that. Again, I only do it for two or three weeks at the most. I'm, 
it's not like I live by it and do it every single day. It doesn't have that much effect on your body to warrant doing it every single day for the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. That's all you got. I've got two as well. So deciding between using the hand portion guide or the calories. So this person has jumped on their app and gone through the beginner's guide to nutrition, I'm pretty sure. And in that, I have two options, either use the hand portion guide or track your calories. And this person's like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. Which option is better for me? Why do you have two options, essentially? And the reason for that is, I wish I could have six options for people to monitor their nutrition, but that's just sometimes too much choice is not better. So I have these two options because the hand portion guide is generally if you just want to generally improve your health. You think you eat well and you could just use some improvements or some tweaking. Um, I think on the flip side of that, if you have a very bad diet, like the heavily processed diet, I should say, the hand portion guide is beneficial to start with because your options are protein, carbohydrates, fat and veggies. And you build your plate with these four things and it doesn't leave much room for processed food, essentially. Um, and then if you were to choose calorie counting, I would say to choose that if you have little to no understanding of the value of food or macronutrients or how much energy you need. If you've been severely under eating for a long time, calorie counting can be a good place to start because you can just see in real time what you're consuming. Um, and I would also say that calorie counting is also for patient people because it is tedious and it can be stressful and it's hard to maintain, but that's why I give both options. So depending on the type of person, I either get them to start with the hand portion guide first for a few weeks or a few months, and then I get them to count their calories, or I get them to count their calories first, get a really good understanding of food, and then they can just live by the hand portion guide for the rest of their life, or AKA their intuition, which is essentially what the hand portion guide is. Do you have any comments? <laughs> I just uh, this this come up the other day, and I, and if you're somebody that still gets calories and carbohydrates mixed up, what thinking they're the same thing, you need to count your calories. Yes, this this come up in a conversation the other day. If you if if you're hearing the word calorie and you're not sure what it means, you need to start counting your calories mm -hmm. because it will wake it's you up. It's not bad. It's not going to ruin your life. It's not. Just do it for one meal. Yeah. Like do it for one meal of the day and you'll start to understand what calorie carbs, calories are, carbs are, protein and fats. Or just download our app called In Situ Collective and get our damn nutrition guide because it will tell you everything. The difference between all of the macros, calories, and it will help you choose between the hand portion guide and counting calories. All right, last question. Okay, this is an odd question. Do, a good question, don't just say the person's listening. Um, do either of you ever struggle with your relationship with food slash have you ever struggled with your relationship with food? 100%. I'll let you want to elaborate. Yeah. Um, so there's certain foods that I just don't buy, like especially down the cookie aisle or the chocolate aisle. Um, I just can't control myself around it. I love, sometimes I love the taste of, chocolate in my mouth and it just melts and you know you have one or two pieces and then all of a sudden the block's gone so i just don't buy stuff like that it's and this is the thing it's, it's definitely got better over time like if you went back three or four years and bought a block of chocolate it'd be gone within a day 
now I have a lot more control. It might take three or four days, but it's, it's getting better. So uh, it's just understanding your emotions around it. Like, I, I've found it a lot easier now to say no to sugars and stuff like that, sugary foods that are delicious. Like, again, you go back a couple of years and if we went to a bakery to get a coffee, I'd definitely have some sort of chocolate muffin or <laughs> chocolate croissant with to go with that. Now I don't do that. I don't actually want it as much. The want's gone. So it's definitely, it's yes, 100% struggle with food and all that sort of stuff, but it's something you just work on over yeah. time. I think my struggles with food relationship is slightly different, but I think that a lot of teenage girls, I'm just going to guess, but I, I'm going to assume, go through this. But in the past, I definitely struggled with eating food and then having mad food regret afterwards. Like, what have I done? I'm so, I'm useless. I can't control myself. Um, I'm, it's my fault that I look the way I do because I ate Maccas or whatever it is that I ate. So in that sense, I definitely in the past had a pretty bad relationship with food, but it was like at the time, like you say, I couldn't stop it before it happened. It could, I could only stop like afterwards I would realize what have I done? And then I'd be super, super clean eating for the next couple of days and then it would repeat. <laughs> so this is a pretty common thing clinically, but yeah, that's what I struggled with in the past. And I will say it's probably taken me six years to just by myself, like I never, I could have, should have, but I never got any help for it. Um, I just decided to start learning about nutrition and then obviously that led me to learn about psychology and behavior and everything like that. But I will say the other day we were in the supermarket and we just left the gym and I was famished. I was starving. I was like, I need something salty, crunchy, chocolatey. <laughs> I was like, I need something. And anyway, we went to the supermarket and I grabbed a bag of just sea salt chips and I come back to the aisle like all like, hee hee, look at, look at what I got, Jack. And, and then we were standing in line at the checkout waiting and I was holding these chips and I was looking at these chips and then I was thinking about how good they're going to taste and everything. And then I was like, wait, but they always make me feel like absolute shit afterwards. Mm. And I had that realization right before we went through the checkout. <laughs> so I ran off and put them back <laughs> and then I came back with wraps instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just... I don't know, becoming aware of, like that was an abnormal behavior for me to impulsively grab chips like that. I'm not saying don't eat chips either. Just personally, they hurt my stomach like a lot of foods do. Um, but just, yeah, gradually I built awareness about what I was doing well before I was going to eat the food and that made such a difference in the whole regret situation. Yeah, and a couple of tangents to finish off. I know we should have wrapped up by now, but... Um, like Max said, it, she knows those chips are going to hurt her belly. So just paying attention to when it does hurt your belly, remember it. Like when it when you eat something, and you're like, oh, that made me feel like shit. Talk about it and remember how it made you feel. Because next time you go to do it, you're going to go, oh, hold on. Last time, I was sitting on the toilet for two hours afterwards. Um, but again, that doesn't mean. And another thing that you just sort of said, like, I occasionally I will go out for that coffee and have that chocolate brownie or whatever and I'm not beating myself up about it like if I want to eat it I'll eat it I just got to allow in in my calorie 
intake for the day, then I'm not going to have five of them plus dinner, plus breakfast, plus lunch, because mm-hmm. that's, we're talking an overconsumption of food. It's just, again, understanding how many calories are going in your body each day. It's not a stress. It's yeah. just, you know, you don't feel bad for having it. You enjoy it while you eat it. And it's not like I beat myself up and go clean for the next couple of days. Yeah. It's just one bit of food. And it doesn't will, matter. Yeah, I will say when you have that control and you can choose to have the sweet treat or whatever it is that you want to eat and you're fully aware that you are very happy with this choice and you're going to enjoy it, that changes, completely changes how much you actually enjoy the food. Like if I, if we go, like this morning actually, we went out for a coffee and slice and we always share it but because it's like an event we make an occasion out of it and we consciously are choosing it's so much more enjoyable than me kind of closet eating a chocolate bar in the car before i go into the house you know what i mean yeah and if i was having that coffee every single morning getting that piece of slice every single morning with that coffee it's far less enjoyable yeah and it just becomes something a habit that you do you get that coffee you get that slice and it's not really something you enjoy it's just something you do yeah so if you can resist and not get it and maybe just cut back to having it once a week with your coffee it's going to be a lot more enjoyable because you can go yeah that was good can't wait till next monday when i do it yeah instead of doing it every single day yeah twice a day even all right thanks again to everybody for tuning in and talk to you in the next episode bye